Welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Myers, and you can find me on livetoone110.com. And here is my co-host, General Lee Lowry. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited to be here today. Today is my last podcast with Live to 110, but I've had such a good time being here, and we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the show. But again, you can find me at generallee.com and... Um, you can find me on my Instagram at Jen Lee. Yeah, unfortunately, General Lee and I decided that, uh, you know, maybe it's time for us to part ways. And I've decided that I'm going to take the podcast to a video podcast. And so look forward that, to that in the, the future podcasts. And it's kind of hard to do a video podcast with uh, a co-host and the guest. <laughs> it is. And yeah, to, and to, get, to get to the same location... The beauty of having the podcast is that we don't always have to be in the same place at the same time, but that video podcast is going to be so interactive and so great, and I'm just glad to have been a part of this this thus far. It's been so fun, and I just love you to death, Wendy. Yeah, it's great having you. It was so great having you on as well, and I love you to death, too, and definitely the listeners. I'm trying to keep it interesting for you guys, <laughs> bringing <laughs> all kinds of different co-hosts and whatnot, so I think from here on out, it's better if... Uh, I just venture forth out on my own into the, the wild blue yonder, and yeah, I'm just going to host it. But today, let's talk about the podcast we're doing today. Uh, we don't have a guest. We're just going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, food sensitivities, and how they make you sick and fat. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's true. Uh, people, I know. I just love when you say it. <laughs> I know. Well, people, they just don't realize um, how profoundly food sensitivities are affecting their health. And they affect 75% of the population. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's huge. These are huge numbers. And if for any of you that are overweight or suffer from autoimmune disease, allergies, any chronic illness or health condition or inflammatory diseases such as heart disease, diabetes, and cancer, the potential health benefits of discovering and uprooting your hidden food sensitivities cannot be overstated. So we're going to dive right into everything you've ever wanted to know about food sensitivities in painful detail. <laughs> awesome. But first, we have to do the disclaimer. So please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition, and it is not a substitute for professional medical advice. The Live to 110 podcast is solely informational in nature. Please consult your healthcare practitioner for engaging in any treatment or diet we suggest on this show. So, Lee, so you, are you doing a new training session? Did you take on any new? I know I that you. I am. I am. I. You know, my business here in Los Angeles has picked up quite significantly, so I have been really focused on that. I'm finishing my 13 weeks with my current, um, my current participants right now. I'm in the last two weeks of many of their programs, and so I'm going to give it a week and then start up with my new online group. I have five people signed on right now for the next training sessions, um, and we will go. We start mid-May, so I have five spots left, so anyone could go to generallee.com, and that's L-E-I-G-A-H, and, you know, inquire if they are interested in a 13-week online training and nutrition program with me, um, and I'm excited. I've had great success. I'm going to post pictures of my last participants so people can see before and afters and testimonials. Um, I've had great, great, great success with them, and I'm just excited to move on to the next group. And once you train with me, it's so funny, we all become friends. So I'm now going to be in touch with my last 10 participants probably forever. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I become friends with my clients too. I have a, a client from India. She's coming in to town, and we're going to go have lunch in Malibu at Nobu and uh, have some sushi. And, so uh, cool. Yeah. Thing I know, my one of my clients is from Australia, and he's going to come train with me in person at the end of his 26 weeks. So it's it's just a really great great thing. Um, but enough about me. Tell me about what's going on with you. I know that Sean Croxton's um, second opinion series on the thyroid was something that you did. Tell me more about what's going on with that. Yeah, that's exciting. It's actually going to be going on when this podcast airs. Um, it'll be kind of heading towards the last inning stretch of the set, the, the series. Um, that series is going on from May 4th to, I believe, that May 13th. 
Um, but you can buy the, the, the online digital access, access package at any time. It's, uh, I think, $49. And I'm speaking in that series. It's all about an alternative view of how to heal and address your thyroid. And it's a lot of things about what your doctor probably isn't telling you or doesn't know. Because medical doctors, um, while they have a, a valuable place in our healthcare, um, they typically don't really uh, know how to treat the thyroid very well. And they typically just give synthetic hormones and they don't talk at all about diet or lifestyle or detox or in very important things that people need to know if they have a thyroid problem. So I'm talking about my favorite subject, which is uh, diet and detoxing the thyroid using nutritional balancing, which is the program that I'm constantly blabbing about. <laughs> uh, because it's the program I use to heal my thyroid, and I know that it works. It's worked for thousands of people where they heal their thyroid and they get completely off their thyroid medication because the program gets their thyroid working on its own and producing its own hormones. That is great. Well, that's going to be really informative for so many of the audience. Um, what about my favorite is your modern paleo cooking show. I love that you have that going. Yeah, and, it's and good. making your recipes, so. Uh, good. Yeah, I have a few of my clients that are also making the recipes. I'm getting emails and all kinds of comments on YouTube that uh, people that are making it and they really like the they really like the the recipes. And uh, it's it's great. I mean, the other day I had a shoot with Laren, Laren Baker is the director, and uh, we're you know we have like this little mic that I have to wear on the back of my pants, uh-huh. and it's totally professional. We've got boom mics and all got a little uh, mic that clips on my shoulder and two cameras. It's totally pro. We're trying to improve it though. Trying to get some close-ups of me cooking the food and stuff. <laughs> so well, that's been lacking in the show right now. But I, anyways, I had this boom this mic on the back of my pants, and then I had the bright idea that I had to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom with this mic thing on it. It fell in the toilet and I ruined it. <laughs> So funny, so, I know. So I had to buy him a $300 so buy him a new one. I was like, Ugh. I'll pay you and now I pay you more. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, there's always little uh, potholes in the road uh, when you're shooting these things. But it's fun and, you know, I'm going to keep going. And it's basically going to be the precursor to my book, uh, companion of my new book, The Modern Paleo Survival Guide. All these recipes are going to be going into the Modern Paleo Survival Guide cookbook. So I'm kind of just getting a head start, and I'm going to be putting some of the recipes in the Modern Paleo Survival Guide itself, give you a little taste of that, and then you can get the whole book soon. Probably going to be a while before that book's out, but that's why I'm doing it and showing people how to live this lifestyle that I suggest, the Modern Paleo Cooking. Awesome. Well, that's really cool. And you have a new, new website coming along. Yes. Yeah, that is, I would not wish designing a new website on my worst enemy. (laughs) It has been such a nightmare, but it's, I love doing it, but there's been lots of hangups and lots of setbacks and changes and blah, 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 back and forth. And it's hard to figure out the best way to present information. And uh, it's really been a learning curve for me, a learning process. But the new site will probably be up by the time this podcast airs. That's my hope. It was supposed to go up today, May 1st, which is the, or the day that we're recording this podcast. Um, but it'll probably be up uh, next in about a week's time, which is May 8th. This is the new goal. Oh, that's I'm, so awesome. I'm cracking that whip. Yeah, yeah. Trying to get everyone in line to see it. it's really cool i know you've worked very very hard day and night on that so. yeah well how are your workouts going oh they're good you know what i have i told you i was sick for quite a few weeks with whatever the flu bug was that was going around i didn't feel like it was in my best interest to work out too much so and i did feel like it was in my best interest to eat crappy food for some reason those two things should never go together and they went together yeah I'm back at it, and I feel so much better. It just makes me realize, you know, when my food and my fitness are aligned and in my life, I feel like 100% better. So things are going great. My training with my clients is going great, and um, I just I couldn't be happier right now. So it's a good time. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So let's get on with the show, right? Yeah, but let's do it. Let's talk about some food sensitivities. All right. So first of all, you know, I know a ton of people that are always complaining about rot gut and feeling this way and feeling lethargic and all that kind of stuff. 
Tell me, what is a food sensitivity? Tell our audience. Yeah, well, a lot of people get confused. Or they hear food sensitivity, food intolerance, food allergies. So I'm going to break it down to you, the differences. A food allergy is the same thing as a food intolerance. So those are the same things. They're just used interchangeably. And basically, they're caused by an inability to digest a food. And it occurs in the digestive tract and not in the bloodstream like a food allergy. And the symptoms, they're delayed onset, where the symptoms may not appear for hours or even days. I mean, you can get, you know, reactions immediately. Um, but I know for myself, if I eat gluten, uh, within a couple hours, I get an achy stomach. And I'm, I'm definitely fatigued for a day or two after I eat gluten. So it's kind of hard to connect the dots um, after you eat a food that you're sensitive to and the symptoms that you're having. And, uh, and it, the symptoms can even be delayed for a week. So it can be really hard to pinpoint uh, what your food sensitivities are and what's causing the problems. And one thing to note is that food sensitivities are not fixed and they can come and go during the course of one's life. And we'll get into that a little bit in, in a bit. But food sensitivities uh, differ from food allergies, um, though the two terms are commonly uh, mistakenly used interchangeably. If you think of a food allergy, you might conjure up the worst case scenario, like a child going to anaphylactic shock after exposure to peanuts, for instance, um, something that he would be allergic to for life. Um, but food sensitivities are uh, quite a bit different. Um, these are things that um, they, they happen in the gut. Um, so these are things that when we eat, basically uh, it can be explained like this. When someone eats a, f a food to which they're sensitive, um, they basically have um, uh, they basically have an issue with inflammation. Um, inflammation is one of the biggest drivers of weight gain and disease in America, and uh, food sensitivities play a, a big role in causing in inflammation. Um, basically, what happens is when you eat a food to which you're, you're sensitive the immune system attacks the intestinal cells uh, in the lining of the intestines, and this inflames the gut. And when the lining of the gut is inflamed, the body is prone to even more food sen sensitivities and reactions, and the, the problem spirals out of control. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and so another really interesting thing about food sensitivities is that people typically crave foods to which they're sensitive or allergic. And uh, it's, this is really interesting because a lot of people that are sensitive to gluten crave gluten. So whenever I have clients that um, are really that are really craving a food all the time, like gluten or dairy, I know that they probably have a food sensitivity to it. Um, so basically, researchers, researchers suggest um, that our bodies become addicted to the chemical messengers, such as histamine and cortisol, which are secreted by immune cells in response to these sense of foods in the body uh, to which we're sensitive and the body may experience a soothing response from the presence of the chemical messengers increasing the desire to eat more of that food wow it almost creates it sounds like an addiction to your sensitive sensitivity yeah absolutely and in with gluten that it also contains things called gluteomorphins and uh, cheese and dairy um, have substances in them that are also um, uh, basically act like morphine in your body. So they're very, uh, they're, they are addictive. Um, it's oh, a fact. Wow. They are, so they are, they're addictive on many different levels. Yeah. That's that, that is very interesting. I'll tell you my experience with dairy later, but I, I do want to know, you know, from, from my standpoint, when you hear about gluten, you hear about dairy, uh, you hear people allergic to, so or not allergic, but sensitive to so many foods. What is the number one food sensitivity out there right now? Well, it is gluten. And uh, gluten is the uh, a protein that's in wheat, rye, barley, and some oats. The oats don't have gluten if they come out of the ground when they're growing, but they just get cross-contaminated on the trucks. Um, so you have to buy gluten-free oats to ensure that they don't have any gluten. They actually have a really high level of gluten in them just from the cross-contamination of being transported in the same trucks as wheat or rye or barley. Yeah, I have, I've heard that about oats. I buy myself that you know i make sure and buy that bob's red mill gluten-free yes uh, but yeah that's really interesting so yeah yeah gluten affects it it affects one uh, in 10 people 
Um, but if you have a health condition or autoimmune disease or a pain condition or anything of that nature, that actually goes up to one in three people. Oh, wow. um, so I had Dr. Tom O'Brien of uh, theglutensummit.com. Um, he's big, 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 uh, all about gluten. His whole life is focused on training individuals and doctors about gluten. And I had had him on the show, and he made that really important dis- distinction for me is that if you have a health condition, you are very highly likely to be sensitive to gluten. That is so interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. I did not know that that was the number one food sensitivity. What are some of the other ones that are that are out there? Well, the next one is dairy. Um, you know, 50% of people are sensitive to dairy. They're, they can also be allergic to the proteins in dairy, but roughly half of people can't do dairy. Um, corn um, is uh, a big one. Um, there's corn in everything, high fructose corn syrup and, and so many foods that people don't realize that uh, they're eating, they're eating, ingesting a ton of corn without realizing it. Soy is another one of those hidden. Uh, soy is about 10% of the calories ingested in the U.S. Um, because it's in all fast food, it's used as cooking oils, it's in all processed foods. So people are getting a lot of soy. Um, eggs are a big one. Um, a lot of people eat, they, eggs are great. They're so healthy for you because people are eating so many of them. Um, they typically can develop a sensitivity to them. It's always been my fear. I'm an egg fanatic and I'm scared I'm going to end up with an allergy because I I hear that your body becomes sensitive if you overdo any food really. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the, the problems with them is that, um, as cavemen, you know, back in the day for millions of years, how our, our bodies have, uh, evo- you know, evolutionarily been designed to intake food. Um, cavemen or the pa- Paleolithic man was constantly eating different foods. Right. You know, he was constantly uh, roving the earth. You know, looking for or traveling, migrating, looking for different foods, and having to being forced to migrate to find new foods. And so the dairy, the the, the diet was constantly changing and constantly different. So now today when we're, we find our favorite foods and we're eating it sometimes at every meal, which is the case with gluten, <laughs> you know, a lot of, most people eat gluten at every single meal. And when that happens, the body's like, something is wrong, something is wrong, attack, attack. And, um, it's one of those things you want to try to eat a huge variety of food to reduce the chances of developing a food sensitivity. Yeah. Yeah. What about, you know, we're modifying our foods as well. What about... Are people sensitive to GMOs? Yeah, GMOs are a huge problem because it's GMOs are so much a part of the food supply, at least in the United States. Not as much in other countries because the governments actually protect their citizens from GMOs and enact laws, um, you know, outlawing them or pre- preventing their growth or import. Um, in the U.S., it's free reign. So GMOs are grown and very much marketed here. Um, you can learn more about GMOs in my blog, uh, detox from dangerous BT toxin found in GMO foods. Um, I have another one called, um, uh, present day problems in our food supply that talks about GMOs, but GMOs definitely cause, uh, allergies for people. Um, a lot of people actually Kaiser Permanente sent a letter out to all of its, uh, you know, subscribers that if they, to, advocating and advising their subscribers to eliminate GMOs from their diet. And because when that happens, people have fewer health problems. They have fewer allergies. They have fewer disease. Um, So many health issues resolve um, by eliminating GMOs from the diet. Yeah. And do do you help people kind of figure out what those foods and how to get to a non-GMO food, um, food source? Yeah, basically, if you go organic, uh, you'll, for the most part, uh, avoid GMOs. It's really hard. I mean, you really have to police every bite of food uh, that goes into your mouth to avoid GMOs. I mean, just the the biggest genetically modified food is corn and soy, Um, and it's just in everything. Um, So if you're at a friend's house and they offer you some chips and dip, um, you're probably eating GMOs if they're not organic. Wow, so interesting. Well, that I'll definitely be reading on that. Um, tell me about 
a little bit more. You describe, you know, what causes food, or, or you describe food sensitivities, but can you describe a little bit more about, like, what causes them again? Well, yeah, you know what? Let me go over just a couple more things or oh, common food sensitivities. Just I don't want to just be oh, thorough. Sure. I don't want to leave these out. Um, the other ones are tree nuts are huge. Uh, almonds, cashews, walnuts, pecans, pistachios, Brazil nuts, hazelnuts, and chestnuts. Um, because those, they, they just cause problems for a lot of people. Um, nightshades are huge nightshade vegetables. Um, they have a toxin in them called a uh, selenin. And so basically, um, you, to get rid of nightshades in your diet, you have to get rid of all potatoes, uh, except sweet potatoes and yams. Those are in a different species, tomatoes, peppers, like green, red, yellow, orange, jalapeno, chili, and pimento peppers, eggplants, tobacco, and spices uh, like cayenne, chili, pepper, red pepper, curry mixes, and paprika. So you have to wipe out all of Texas pretty much. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because anyone that has a pain condition um, or autoimmune, you have to get all nightshades out of your body. It's interesting. I have a a few clients that smoke, and they have autoimmune issues. And I know it's that, that nightshade tobacco that's definitely contributing to that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, tobacco, you know, don't have to get into it. That causes a lot of problems, not only because it's a nightshade. Um, but another one is citrus. A lot of people are sensitive to that, have all kinds of weird health issues from citrus. And another big one is yeast, um, like baker's yeast, brewer's yeast, and fermented products like vinegar. Mm. So... So unfortunately, doing a food elimination diet, you pretty much have to get rid of all these items uh, to do a food elimination diet properly. It's it's really difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah you that's good. You strip down to find out really what you're sensitive to so you don't have problems later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Smart. Smart thing to do no matter what, you know. So let's go back to what does cause these food sensitivities. Well, like I just mentioned, um, one of the number one reasons is just too much of the same food. Um, You can become sensitive to any food that you eat too often. Um, Most people eat a relatively small number of foods several times a day. Um, Like for for wheat or gluten, for instance, people have cereal in the morning and then they use bread in a sandwich at lunchtime and then eat spaghetti or pizza for dinner or a hamburger. And they're just nonstop ingesting gluten. And uh, wheat is also a thickening agent used in food processing, so it's hidden and uh, it's a hidden ingredient in many processed foods. That's why I advocate just eating fresh food, uh, not eating processed foods. And um, our bodies, they just don't know how to deal with eating a lot of the same foods. It's not good for them. Um, the next one is kind of a chicken and the egg issue, what, which happened first, which is leaky gut syndrome. Um, many people with food sensitivities, uh, um, end up with leaky gut syndrome and then consistently eating that same food to which, to which they're sensitive exacerbates the problem. And basically the digestive tract plays a vital role in preventing illness and disease by providing a barrier. And when the lining of the gut is inflamed from a food sensitivity, the little small fissures open between the tightly woven cells making up the gut walls, and a condition called leaky gut syndrome develops. And with leaky gut syndrome, partially digested dietary proteins can cross the intestinal barrier into the bloodstream. And these large protein molecules can cause an allergic response producing symptoms directly in the intestines or throughout the body, wherever these proteins have happened to travel. And additionally, hundreds of yeast and bacteria are released from the gut into the bloodstream where they can set up infection anywhere, um, including muscles, joints, bones, teeth, roots, coronary arteries, or even the brain. And the early introduction of solid foods to infants, interestingly, before six months of age contributes to leaky gut syndrome and subsequent food allergies and sensitivities. Wow, that is very interesting information. Yeah, because that's why kids are not supposed to have solid food before about six months of age because they don't have that, that gut barrier intact yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that this causes problems. Um, one of the next um, reasons people can develop or ca- be caused by food sensitivity is deficiency of probiotics. 
um, if they have too much bad bacteria in relation to the friendly bacteria in their intestines. And the friendly bacteria help maintain the health of the intestines by producing fuel for intestinal cells, and they also kill bad bacteria. Um, but, you know, with parasitic infections, uh, treatment with antibiotics or other to- toxic pharmaceuticals, stress, poor diet, which includes sugar and flour, gluten, uh, smoking, alcohol, excessive hygiene, um, candida overgrowth, uh, which can be caused by mercury and copper toxicity, bottle feeding your baby formula, all of these things can disrupt the proper balance of friendly bacteria to bad bacteria. Yeah. And, and it's, it's yeah. There's been such a rise of, of probiotics on the market over the past five years. Really, it must be that you know so many people are ingesting things that they're sensitive to. It's put this you know big okay here. This is how we treat it now. Instead of treating the problem, we add in the probiotic later. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, because you know it's probiotics are great. Um, I don't really take them anymore. Um, I. Probiotics are, are good to take. I mean, I, I definitely highly recommend them. Um, I personally don't take them because I'm more a proponent of getting rid of the food sensitivities, healing the, le- the leaky gut with things like chicken broth. Um, once you heal and seal that leaky gut, um, then you can get down to the business of um, working on your diet to either destroy bad bacteria or feed healthy bacteria in your intestines. Um, because you... You get bad bacteria feed on sugar and flour. Um, so you have to eliminate those from your diet for the most part to kill off the bad bacteria. I also kill them off in my infrared sauna. That kills them as well. And then I feed my good probiotic bacteria by eating foods with inulin, which is prebiotic food for, for the good bacteria, by eating lots of garlic, onions, leeks, artichokes, things like that. Yeah, and so if you do those things, you don't really need to take probiotics. But if you want to take probiotics, to, like I did for a couple of years, just to get my gut bacteria back on track. Um, but there are some studies that think that uh, the probiotics are just transient. Um, but, and you know, there's 500 species at least. I'm sure there's more that we haven't discovered in your gut. So taking a, a probiotic with 10 strains might not do the whole job. Sure. It, it's It's a... It's it's a complex. It's complex, but uh, pro, I'm pro probiotics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So are there more causes to food sensitivities? Yeah, there's a couple more. Um, one isn't just an overworked immune system. Um, constant stress, exposure to air and water pollution, and pesticides and chemicals in our food puts a strain on our, our immune system, making it less able to respond appropriately to the antigens and, and food, or the antigens. Um, so that's another cause, the immune system just going haywire and just attacking everything. Um, that's what happens when it's kind of the immune system's uh, undernourished and overworked. Um, another cause is genetics. Uh, some people uh, just uh, have food allergies and intolerances do seem to be hereditary. Um, and research indicates that if both parents have allergies, uh, which are different than food sensitivities, but their children have a 67% chance of uh, developing food allergies. Uh, but wow, when only like a large role. Yes, yes. And when one parent one parent's allergic, uh, the child has a 33% chance of developing food allergies. Um, specifically, um, a person may inherit a deficiency of an enzyme like lactase. Um, so they, they're not going to be able to digest uh, dairy very well. This happened to me. My father um, did not have any lactase, so uh, I, I inherited that. I don't digest milk well at all. But I can eat foods with low lactase in them, like butter and ghee, which has almost zero lactase, and be fine. Um, so uh, also children uh, before the age of three or four, they have the enzyme lactase, obviously, to digest their mother's milk. And usually at about age three or four, they lose that, it's called lactase persistence. They lose that ability to digest lactose, which is the milk sugar in dairy. Um, And another thing about uh, genetics is with nightshade sensitivities, there's about 10 genetic variants for susceptibility, and not all individuals are affected equally or at all. Um, So that's another complex thing, um, which is why you want to do a food elimination diet with nightshades and figure that all out. And a similar case can be made for other food sensitivities. Uh, Genetic variations predict the severity of your sensitivity. 
interesting. Yeah. So, you know, how do people know? What are the signs and symptoms around food sensitivities? Well, really, I mean, just the list is huge. Um, but it could be headache, fatigue, gas, bloating, stomach ache, acid reflux or GERD, um, diarrhea or constipation, um, blood in the stool, it could be chronic pain and arthritis, pain syndromes. Dark circles under the eyes, anxiety, nausea or vomiting, eczema, psoriasis, rashes or hives, sinus problems, anemia, and even seizures. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, they can really induce, they can really uh, induce and mimic disease. It's yeah, it's got to feel confusing to the person. You know, I know people, I know a ton of people who walk around complaining about, especially right after they eat, that... Their stomach hurts, they're getting a headache, and many of them have gone through this process of trying to eliminate certain things from their diet, get allergy tested, all those things. And almost every time, um, it relates back to food mm-hmm. when it comes to that. So it's just it's just so. But it is confusing because some of those things, like you said, mimic disease. They mimic the common flu. They you know they mimic so many things. Just a regular headache. So. Uh, uh, it's got to be hard. And yeah. Why is it? Uh-huh, go ahead. It, it is really difficult, and that's why it's really kind of good to uh, what I talk about in my book, The Modern Paleo Survival Guide. One of the big uh, topics in the book is determining your food sensitivities, and I have a 30-day restart uh, program in the book where you just reel it all back and you just stick to uh, meat, animal proteins, and vegetables, you know, all the ones that to which most people are not sensitive, just reel that all in and just eat meat and vegetables and maybe some soups and things like that and to try to determine what your food sensitivities are. And when you do this food elimination diet, people feel amazing after that 30 days. Unbelievable oh, because so they're not eating the foods to which they're sensitive. That's funny. That's very similar to the program that I use for nutrition anyhow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I work with most of my clients. It's a great it's great for typically weight loss as well when you're eating vegetables and, and you know, animal proteins. And for me a few we have yams in my diet. But at the end of the day they're really eliminating a lot of those grains and flours and any sugar and all of that kind of stuff. So that's that's great. And, and why is it important that somebody determines their food sensitivities, what those are? Well, yeah, I was going to say that yams and sweet potatoes are not nightshades, so you can eat those. Very yeah. few people are sensitive to those. Um, but, yeah, it's important to determine your food sensitivities for a number of we- reasons. The number one is inflammation. Because um, like I mentioned before, inflammation is one of the major underlying causes of weight, gaze, weight gain and disease. And the food sensitivities cause systemic inflammation in the body, which begins in the gut. Uh, For instance, in people with gluten sensitivity, the immune system attacks the intestinal cells to which gluten attaches, and this inflames the gut. And it doesn't, you know, the immune system is not able to decipher um, between the gluten molecule and the intestinal cell because the proteins in the gluten kind of match or look similar to the the cell, the proteins in the intestinal cell. So the immune system just attacks both of them indiscriminately. And when the lining of the gut is inflamed, the body is prone to even more food sensitivities and reactions, and the problem just spirals out of control. I was going to say, the longer that this is occurring, I can only imagine that the problem grows. Yeah, and this, um, it really, when this inflammation seeps throughout the body, when you're constantly eating foods which are sensitive, um, it just establishes an environment that's ripe for weight gain and chronic disease. I know you did mention that you can get fat, so I do want to say how exactly? Because <laughs> I know that's the key word. If you tell people something, if you could, ha- you could give me a headache all day long, but if you tell me something's going to make me fat, I'm going to change it. Oh yeah. So tell me exactly how does a food sensitivity make you gain weight? Well, if you are having trouble losing that last 10 pounds, which a lot of people, they work out, they do a program, they're eating right, they think they're eating healthy and they're working out and doing all this stuff five days a week and they just can't lose that last 10 pounds, it's probably food sensitivities. Um, They're an underlying cause of weight gain and you can lose a significant amount of weight just by eliminating foods from your diet that you're sensitive to. Um, Again, uh, the food sensitivities damage the gut lining. And damage to the gut causes leaky gut, allowing these food particles into our bloodstream and, you know, activating the immune system. And this leads to inflammation all over the body. And that is one of the underlying causes of obesity. 
And it also increases insulin resistance because inflammation from any cause, whether it be from infections, food sensitivities, or high sugar diet, or a bad fat diet like too much trans fats or omega-6 fats that are in vegetable oils, does induce increased insulin resistance, leading to higher insulin levels. And since insulin is the hormone that signals your body to store fat and prevent its release from storage, you store more fat, it prevents fat being released and lost, and this occurs mostly around the belly. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, make, that makes sense. Yeah, and um, really for clients who have trouble losing weight, clients of mine, I often recommend a short elimination of just dairy and gluten, um, both dairy, milk, cheese, butter, and yogurt, and gluten, which is found in wheat, barley, rye, and some oats, um, are, they're linked to insulin resistance and therefore weight gain. So just temporarily cutting them out of the diet also heals uh, an inflamed gut, and it's really one of the moves um, that may be the most single important thing that you can do to lose weight. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll be doing that as of this week for my diet, so that's great. What about, <laughs> I need to do that. I need to have that gut kind of like less, less inflamed as it's been. I've been giving it things it doesn't need. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, you know, I I eat really healthy for the most part, but I'm a human being. I fall off the wagon sometimes. Yeah. Um. You know, this week weekend I went to my daughter's birthday and we went to this fair and then I was in Palm Springs and I just I was like I'm just eating whatever I want to eat and uh, so that's what I did. I ate a ton of gluten. I ate some sugar and I I gained literally five pounds in one weekend. And it wasn't that I didn't eat more calories. It wasn't that. It was the the gluten and the caused this this reaction, this inflammatory reaction. And I had brain fog and fatigue. I literally for a couple days after the weekend was over, it was like I was hungover. I absolutely agree with you. I I ninety five percent of the year stick to a very clean diet. And like I said, I've been sick lately, and it's just caused this feeling that I needed all the foods we've talked about today. And again, like you said, yes, I gained weight from it. But on top of it, I just felt terrible. Like it didn't, it doesn't make you feel good because likely I'm sensitive to some of those foods that I've had eliminated out of my diet for so long. So, you know, going back into the elimination, I know how, I know it works. And I know not only does it work to make you feel better and help you from disease, which is number one, but to, to lose weight. I mean, it's, it's really great. So how do you identify that you have a food sensitivity? How does somebody do that? Well, um, basically, there's a number of ways. Um, the The number one way uh, that you can do it is with a food elimination diet. It's pretty much just the, you know, the best way to do that. It's the cheapest. It's easy. You can start it today. Um, other people like to go with testing. Um the, the issues, I'll, I'll discuss some of the issues with, with the different methods of identifying food sensitivities. Uh, there's no one perfect way. Um, many physicians don't see the value in uncovering hidden food sensitivities as a cause of health issues. Um, and I find this really strange because there's a huge growing body of evidence of medical literature illuminating the intimate relationship between the gut, food, and illness. And uh, luckily, you don't have to wait for a, a diagnosis from your doctor because you're probably not going to get one. Uh, most doctors don't really uh, think about food at all in relation to causing illness. So you're pretty much going to be on your own or going to be having to press your doctor to do food sensitivity testing or allergy testing. Um, so the, the ways that you can do this are with a blood test, with an allergy skin test or a prick test, um, or a food elimination diet. Those are the three ways that you can go about this. You can do all three. Um, the first one is getting a blood test. Um, a starting point to determine your food sensitivities is with a test from cyrexlabs.com or immunolabs.com. Um, they have very different tests that can pinpoint sensitivities that don't have any symptoms because sometimes we have food sensitivities and we don't have any symptoms. Uh, sometimes we can just develop antibodies that attack our brain or attack other parts of our body, even your liver, and they don't have any sense, uh, any symptoms whatsoever. Um, or they have delayed, very, very much delayed reactive sensitivities with IgG and IgE antibodies and even cross-reactive foods. Um, sometimes, um, 
you can eat uh, some dairy and it will affect your body. Like your body will think you have eaten gluten when you've actually eaten dairy. So um, the the tests that they do can also test for cross-reactive foods. Uh, Coffee can do the same thing. Sometimes when people drink coffee, they get a reaction in their body like they eat gluten. Um, so it's really problematic. I've been meaning to do that test, <laughs> this testing. It's expensive. I, I believe right now it's about $1,200 uh, to do there, and it's not covered by insurance, so it's it's not available to everyone. Um, I even went to my, my immunologist. Um, I had my daughter do some testing, and she did an allergy skin test, and I asked the doctor if he could do a blood sensitivity test for her. He had no idea what I was talking about. Oh, wow. This is a doctor. He, he didn't even know what I was talking about, and he's supposedly one of the best immunologists in Los Angeles. So uh, even if you start asking your doctor about these tests, uh, they may not know what you're talking about. Sure. Um, so, again, the, the blood test does have its limitations. Uh, they're a great way to pinpoint problematic foods and are a jumping-off point to, uh, to start with the foods that maybe you should be eliminating and challenging with. Um, but uh, there's a lot of people, including Chris Kresser, uh, they're not convinced that these tests are completely reliable. No test is really completely reliable. Um, it's just a, a starting point to figuring out what may you may be sensitive to. Sure. Well, and yeah. I like the fact that for those who can't afford that anyway, that there is the possibility that you can just start to eliminate things from your diet one by one in order to kind of find those food sensitivities. So. Yeah, and yeah, and you know, another thing that you can do is get an allergy skin test or prick test. Mm-hmm. Um, this can be a good point to, you know, the allergies uh, are, like I said, are different than intolerances, um, but it's good to at least figure out what you could be allergic to to eliminate that. Mm-hmm. Um, my doctor does a test with about 80 different foods. Um, so that you maybe uh, find out you're allergic to lima beans or pineapple or weird things. And it's good to get rid of those because those also cause an immune response that's taxing on the immune system. Um, But the allergy skin test is different. It shows IgE antibodies and can help you identify hidden food allergies. Um, However, this, this cannot find food sensitivities that occur 24 to 48 or more hours after exposure to the food. Uh, the skin or the scratch test only shows reactions within 30 minutes. Okay. And it can even show false positives uh, due to reactions to ingredients just in the testing liquids that they use. Um, so it has its limitations as well. Um, but that can be, a, again, a really useful guide to what's bothering you or, <laughs> or pinpointing really uncommon food allergies. Um, because it's impossible to do a food elimination diet for all foods to figure out. Um, you know, everything that you're sensitive to or allergic to. So if you can find out if you're allergic to pineapple, <laughs> you know, by doing this, this allergy skin test. Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that that's, it sounds like it's pretty simplistic to be able to kind of get a starting point and find out about food sensitivities. One of the big food sensitivities we talk about, I personally don't eat many foods with gluten in them, not because I know I have any kind of sensitivity to it, which I think a lot of people are, this is kind of what's happening these days is that, you know, we hear so much about it. It puts us in a place of, okay, do I, do I have a gluten sensitivity? Do I not? And if I don't, if, I mean, regardless of if I know if I don't or not, I'm just going to cut it out just in case. That's what I've done with my diet is that I pretty much have no gluten in my diet because I'm not interested in, in finding out the hard way that this has been affecting me. Yeah, it's a good idea. It's a good idea too because uh, all you really have to do the number one thing is just eliminate wheat, anything with wheat, wheat flour, white flour, whole wheat flour, whatever is wheat. If you just eliminate that, um, it's a a poor quality food anyways. Um, Most of the foods have synthetic vitamins added to them, toxic forms of iron to enrich them. Um, They're a low nutrient food. So if you and plus the the gluten in the United States. Um, the wheat has hybridized to have more gluten that in it than the gluten that's in Europe, for instance. Um, that's why gluten makes breads really fluffy and soft. So anytime you have a bread like Wonder Bread that's real fluffy and marshmallowy, that because it has more gluten. 
And the breads in Europe, if you go there, they're crusty. They have these crusty, hard Thick bread. brown bread. Yeah. Irish bread is my favorite. Yeah. Thick and brown, and there's no soft. There's, no, there's nothing soft about it. Exactly, and that's because it has less gluten. So um, if you just eliminate that food, and, and it turns into this sticky mass in your intestines. It's a sticky, kind of gluey, that's why it's called glue, gluten, um, mass in your intestines, and it, it prevents absorption of other minerals. So even if you're not sensitive to it, it causes other problems. So it's but just... It's not doing anything for you. It's doing nothing for you. There you go. Well, what, what's a gold standard in determining if one has a gluten sensitivity? Well, it's to do an elimination test and challenge, where you eliminate a set of foods um, for, a, it depends on the person, it could be uh, two weeks, you could do it for two weeks, some like to do it for, uh, eliminate it for a month, even two months, um, because it takes time for the inflammation uh, from eating that food to go down, so you want that inflammation to go down and then challenge with that food to see if you have any reactions, and so you keep a little food diary um, that you know you're eliminating this food and then you write down when you challenged it, and then write down um, any symptoms that you may have. Um, but definitely the, the food elimination diet is the gold standard for ferreting out food sensitivities. It's a process that can take months, even years. Um, this is a, a, a huge process to figure out what individually uh, the foods that you should have in your diet or not have in your diet. Um, it's a huge process. And it really takes uh, not only going through an elimination diet, but really being in touch with your body, listening to your body, what you're craving, um, your reactions to foods after you eat them, and really paying attention to what's going on in your body. Um, yeah, and so, and, and like I said, every test has its limitations and really cannot be used as a final word in whether you're sensitive to a food or not. So one of the drawbacks of a food elimination diet is that it cannot help you pinpoint foods to which you have no visible symptoms. Yeah. yeah. And some sensitivities have no symptoms for which testing may provide the answers. So it's good to kind of do all these things. Um, uh, you know, I have not done, like I said, the the blood test. I plan to at one point, um, but I, at some point I will. But I have done a food elimination diet and, and just discovered on my own that, that I just one day made the connection when I eat gluten, my stomach hurts two hours later. Um, and when I eat, when I eat sugar, I really don't feel good on many different levels. And so I know I have a sensitivity to that. Somehow that doesn't stop me from eating chocolate. (laughs) Right. (laughs) "Ah." Um, but I crave it because I I have a sensitivity. It, 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 it's a little drug. I feel, the, I feel the same. I always say nuts make me nuts. <laughs> I don't know what the problem is, but I cannot eat nuts for the life of me. Nuts, nut butters, they're delicious. They're great. Yeah. They actually, you know, in some diets really work because they're high protein and, you know, all of that stuff. But they make me insane. I, ha- I need more and more. There's not enough nuts in the world that would, you know, quench the craving that I that happens when I eat them. And then I never feel that great. I certainly never feel satisfied after so I I've had to eliminate that from my diet just for so many factors of them but yeah you know, they work for some people and everybody is different you know our food sensitivities and the things that we can and can't eat but like you said with gluten it just seems like I also try to tend to say if there's if it's not there if it's not helping me in any way I mean chocolate helps me relax I gotta tell you but yeah if, if certain <laughs> foods aren't giving me any kind of nutrient value and helpful to my body they're only causing issue then then they need to be eliminated anyway yeah. if, if i were to do a food elimination diet tell tell the audience like kind of how do you do that how do you start how, how do you do that well um it's it's an involved process um basically how you do it is the step one is eliminate the foods um if you go on my website you can see the blog quotes it's food sensitivities make you fat and sick and uh, basically, um, and sorry, kind of a brash title, but it's the it. truth. That's what happens. They make you fat and sick. So I just put that on the title. Um, that just sums it up pretty much. Um, but first, you have to eliminate these top 10 foods to which most people are sensitive. And the foods will, must all be removed from the diet for at least two weeks. Okay. So you can do it in as little as two weeks. And this is usually adequate time for elimination and healing of inflammation. 
And some elimination diets say, or they suggest um, staying away from these foods until your symptoms clear. But then some people, they're just not in touch with their bodies enough uh, to know when their symptoms have cleared. Um, but you, you may have to be free from these offending foods for 20 to 60 days before you begin to feel better and the symptoms disappear. So you can try it out for two weeks and, and see, uh, judge for yourself. Um, you know, try it for two weeks first. And then if maybe you feel like you haven't eliminated all the foods that you need to, um, if you do this the first uh, food elimination uh, for two weeks, if you do that and you, you figure out a couple foods you're sensitive to, maybe the next time you do a food elimination diet, you can do it for longer just to, to figure that out just to maybe give you a better window of time of eliminating those foods. So it's exactly as it says. It's just eliminating foods. But I like that it, you know, you can do that in as short as two weeks to find out really what you're, what you're sensitive to. Yeah, and the reason you have to eliminate all the foods is because you don't know which one's causing the problem. So right. if you just eliminate dairy and gluten, um, yeah, you might, you might eliminate some symptoms, but you may not be eliminating tree nuts, for instance, that are causing other issues. Um, so it, it's it's one of those things you um, got to get real serious about it and eliminate everything for two weeks and then continue to do them um, because your food sensitivities change. So it's something you may want to do once a year or you know once every six months just to kind of see where you're at. Because do you add things in back one at a time? Yes, yeah. Yeah, and I'll get that back into that in a second. I want to give people a couple more details. Um, that They really have to be aware that many processed foods contain at least one of the most common food sensitivities or allergens, which is, you know, milk, soy, wheat, and eggs are staples in processed foods. This is one of the reasons America is so sick, um, because they're mostly eating processed foods. Uh, even uh, the word natural flavors on a label um, that may not list an ingredient um, that is something that you're sensitive to. Um, so, and if you're having trouble figuring out what to eat on this food elimination diet, the world's healthiest foods is a great website where you can create menus based on a restricted diet. Um, they have a place on their website called Food Advisor where you can find uh, foods and menus and recipes uh, right for any kind of diet. Oh, that's great. Tell me the name of that site again. It is the world's healthiest foods. Well, that's easy to remember. I'm going to go on that. That's great. Yeah, I think it's worldshealthiestfoods.com. That's okay. what it is. Um, and then the next step is the challenge. And so one of the, choose one of the foods that you want to you know, challenge first and eat it one to three times during that day, your challenge day. And during the challenge time, of course, you have to continue to eliminate all other foods on the list except for the food that you're challenging. Otherwise, you won't know what's causing the reaction, if you have a reaction. So usually, definitely start with gluten. Um, when you've eliminated it for a couple weeks, uh, that inflammation will go down, your headaches or stomach aches or whatever the gluten's causing will go away. And then when you eat that gluten again, your symptoms can come back full-blown. You can get a headache, you can get tired, you just pass out midday. That happens to me when I eat gluten. I just I pass out cold midday. It just yep. causes a lot of fatigue. Um, and any other kind of uh, gluten sensitivity typically causes stomach aches. It's very common. And, um, so, and then you want to write all this down. Step three is recording your symptoms. So write in a food diary any symptoms that you experience so that you can link it back to that food that you challenged with. And so then um, you just challenge on that one day and then wait for about three days and then on the fourth day, challenge with the next food. So you eliminate the gluten, you don't do the gluten, you challenge, say, with corn, and then continue to not eat those other foods. The so you go basically go back to your food elimination diet for the next three days and then challenge your next food. Yes. Okay. And then write your symptoms in a food diary if you have any. Yeah, and then you just keep doing that with each and every food, and that's it. And then when you find the foods to which you're sensitive... Do another challenge with the different forms of that foods to see which one affects you. And I love that. Yeah. Great. Yeah, and I won't get into that because um, that's kind of complicated. Um, I've got a lot of information on liveto110.com um, on the food sensitivities make you sick and fat posts. Uh, you go into a long list of the different forms. I've got a blog post on dairy um, that uh, 
Are you the half that should avoid dairy? That goes into all the different forms of dairy because some people can't eat cow dairy, but they can eat goat or sheep. Um, some people can't eat milk, um, but they can eat butter and ghee. So you got to really uh, distill this down. And like I said, it takes months and even years to figure this out, what works for you. Because no matter what diet someone tells you to eat, even me, the modern paleo diet, no matter what it is, they're just a template. They're just a template for you to figure out uh, your, you know, but you still have to apply your food sensitivities to any diet. It's not personalized for the most part. Like the same, the same thing goes when I handle nutrition with people is we have to go through a process and, and personalize that. But that's, you know, so when you do have a template of a diet, it's got like, especially with modern paleo, it's got a, it's got great ideas behind it, but you also have to be. Uh, particular to your own food, you know, food sensitivity. Absolutely. And it applies to any diet. There's no one diet that's going to work for everybody. It just doesn't exist. So that's why I really emphasize this in my book, um, The Modern Paleo Survival Guide, about how to go about doing this. Yeah. So, so here's my big question. You know, once you are, you figured out your food sensitivity, let's say mine is dairy, can I ever go back to that food again? Or do I have to, is that an avoid for life? Well, you know, the food sensitivities, they're not fixed. Um, when you eliminate a food that you're sensitive to and you heal your digestive system, when you can kind of seal that leaky gut, if you have that, um, you may be able to handle foods that you were previously sensitive to on occasion. Um, or you may be able, be able to eat it on a regular basis. Um, it's, it, again, individualized. So, uh, you know, or you may never be able to handle them again, um, which is commonly the case with nightshades and gluten. Um, So you just kind of have to keep testing and kind of see what works for you. And, you know, just reintroduce a food periodically. Um, For me, I keep testing dairy to see if I can handle it. And, like, I keep finding that I can't. Um, But I'm like, maybe, maybe this time. Maybe I can have this ice cream right now. Maybe it'll work. Um, I don't have a problem with butter or ghee. Um, I, I seem to do okay with hard cheeses, um, but I tend to eat raw, grass-fed, organic cheeses when I can find them. Um, but I, I can't drink milk. I, I can't eat my daughter's little mozzarella cheese sticks. <laughs> They're super tasty. But So everyone has to figure out for themselves and continue testing. You know, Your body is evolutionarily designed to eat a huge variety of foods, so your body is just it's just better equipped to handle foods to which um, you're previously sensitive if eaten occasionally rather than three meals a day. So you, while you may never be able to go back to eating that food sensitivity, that food to which you're sensitive three times a day, you may be able to eat it occasionally and not have a huge reaction. Very good. Well, this is probably the most helpful podcast. I know for many of my clients, I'm going to pass this along. Uh, because so many people, like you said at the very beginning, suffer because of food sensitivities. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really great information. I can't wait for it to go up on the site. When, when around, when, when will this podcast be up? Um, I'm thinking it's going to be up next week. Um, so that's going to be a, about March 9th, maybe. I don't know off the top of my head, but very soon. May 9th, May 9th. Yeah, great. something like that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Thank you so much, Wendy. That was great. I really appreciate the information. It's wonderful. Yeah, and Leah, I'm very sorry. This is your last podcast. I know everyone's going to miss you. Uh, You know what? Hopefully, like we talked about, you know, we're great friends. And and I think what one of the things that we realized is that maybe I should do my own fitness podcast. And and, um, so I know that you said you're going to help me a little bit get that going. And that's my plan. I think it's a good idea. And I've really enjoyed uh, partnering, everyone comes in your life for a reason, and you were a, a good friend, mentor, and I'm so excited for your future because you've already, in the time that I've known you, just grown so much with this show, and now into video and cooking shows, and, and your book, and I mean, you are your own, uh, you you are your own brand, and you're so amazing. So I can't wait. I'm just excited to see what's going to happen for you. So thank you again, and thanks to the audience for listening. Well, I've been a part of the show. And definitely, I'd love to have you back on as a guest, you know, when you've got sure. some fun some fun new stuff going on or, you know, something Maybe you want to... when I get my podcast going or 
Uh, we can uh, introduce that. That would be fun. Exactly. Absolutely. And everyone, if you want to learn more about the modern paleo diet or how to do food sensitivity elimination diet and more about all that kind of stuff, um, definitely go check out the new and improved live to 110com It just got a, an LA facelift <laughs> that it badly needed. Um, so you can also follow me on Facebook and Twitter at I will live to 110. I'm also on YouTube uh, at Wendy Live to 110, home of the Modern Paleo Cooking Show. And if you want to find me, I am at generallee.com. You can also find me on my Instagram at Jen Lee. I have a Facebook fitness and nutrition page called General Lee Fitness and Nutrition, so you can find me there. And of course, if you like what you heard on the show today, please give the Live to 110 podcast a positive review in iTunes. We really need the reviews and we would love your help. Yeah, please take two minutes to go do that. We'd really appreciate it. We need to get in those search engines. Uh, the more reviews that you have, the, the higher up in the search engines you get so people can find the show when they search for health or paleo and whatnot. So everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, if you can't lose weight or you're having uh, health issues of any kind, inflammation, autoimmune disease, allergies, if you do a food elimination diet and identify foods to which you're sensitive, um, your health and waistline will improve so much. It's a big pain in the butt, but it's well worth the effort, I promise you. Thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast.